I want to start off today by making a statement and then proving to you that it's true. Okay, so here's the statement. Bigger is almost always better. I should have left Andrew up here for comparison. Bigger is almost always better. For instance, I love McDonald's french fries. I know I shouldn't, but I do. So I don't know if you love McDonald's french fries, but if you do, would you rather have this order here on the screen of McDonald's french fries or this order of french fries? That one right there. Because bigger is almost always better. Any coffee lovers? Any coffee lovers in the room? Okay. I, I love, love, love coffee. Uh, it, it is one of the essential food groups. My wife hates coffee. Uh, she hates it so much she can't stand the smell of it. It makes her sick. I love coffee so much, I'll go to bed sometimes at night looking forward to my cup of coffee in the morning. It's a sickness I, I know, but for coffee lovers, would you rather have this cup of coffee here or this cup here? I like big mugs and I cannot lie. That's it right right there. So here's, here's a little speed round for you. Uh, would you. Would you want this truck here? It's okay. Or, or this truck here? Yes, that one right there. Uh, would you rather have this kind of gun here? It's okay. Or, or this gun? Yes. <laughs> that will do some damage. You won't even see what you shoot if you hit it with that. Uh, would you rather have this cat here? Oh, yeah. Uh. Or, or this cat here? It's a trick question. There is no such thing as a good cat. All cats are evil. Can I get a witness up in here? Last, last one, last one, and then we'll move on. Uh, would you rather have this many championships or this many? Yeah. Bigger is almost always better. By the way, that's a largely American, Western civilized thinking, and it's crept into every area of our lives, including our faith, among those of us who are Christians, even inside the church. As Pastor Andrew said, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor at Element Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. It is a great honor and privilege to be here with you today. Uh, as a pastor, I, I take very seriously uh, what gets taught to our people from our pulpit. And so I don't take lightly the fact uh, that Andrew has trusted me uh, with his congregation today and with the pulpit that he preaches from. So thank you, Andrew, uh, for that. It's an incredible privilege. Uh, to do it. I hope you guys know what an honor you have to have Andrew as your pastor. He is an incredible man, has a true heart for God. He is a passionate and gifted leader and communicator. And he and the whole team here at Country Bible uh, that we've been able to spend time with uh, have just been an absolute blessing to us. That It is their utmost desire to please God, pursue Jesus, and help you discover your purpose in life. And I hope you know how blessed you are to have uh, the team that you have here. And that's a perfect segue, by the way, into what I want to talk to us about today about purpose. I want to talk to you about your calling, your, your purpose in life. And here's the great news. Everyone's called to something. That each of us are uniquely designed by God to fulfill a God-sized purpose for God. Here's the problem though. Here's a problem. It goes back to my opening illustration. Most of us hear the word calling 
And we think colossal. We think something big, right? Why? Because bigger is almost always better. Like everyone, at some point in their life, they want to do something significant with their life. I don't think I've ever met anyone in my life that said, you know what? My goal is to be average, unless you're a Hawkeye. That's another story. That's another story. You can blame Andrew for this, by the way. He told me I should knock on the Hawkeyes. But but in, in reality, in reality, think about it. In life, the stories we are inspired by, the people we want to emulate, the reason we're inspired by them, the reason we want to emulate them is they've done something significant with their life. They've done something significant in, in their, their ministry, their family, their organization, their life, what, whatever it is. And when we were kids, you know, we would want to discover, we want to discover the uh, uh, cures for diseases and rescue the damsel in distress and, and start companies that, that make an impact all around the world. And we're kind of born with this innate desire to do something significant. And I, I see this in our faith as well. Uh, Like many of you did, I grew up going to Sunday school. And in Sunday school, we would not just learn stories, but songs about great heroes of the faith. Songs like Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right. And we start marching around the room until everyone sits down. And if anyone thinks Christianity is weird, we just proved it to you with that song, right? In Sunday school, we, we hear stories of great Bible heroes like Noah who built the, the ark and saved humanity, like Moses who led the people of Israel across the, the Red Sea on dry ground after the water parted, Esther that defied the king, David that slayed Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that walked through the fiery furnace unscathed, Daniel that escaped the lion's den, Peter that walked on water. I mean, we hear stories like that, and that gets us fired up. Like, as a Christian, I hear stories like that, and I'm just ready to charge the gates of hell with nothing but safety goggles and a water pistol. Like, it gets me fired up when I hear stories like that. We, we all want to be the hero of the story, right? We all want to slay gi- giants and defy the king and part the water and walk through the fiery furnace unscathed and escape the lion's den and walk on water. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. In fact, we should be inspired by the faith heroes of the Bible. I think it's good that we are all born with this desire to do something significant with our life. But here's the thing. Here's what I realized I was never taught in Sunday school. And odds are you weren't taught this either. What we never learned in Sunday school were these Bible heroes that we grew up idolizing, and quite honestly, we still do so today, they never set out to be heroes. None of them. They didn't know what God was going to do. They were just doing the next thing they heard him tell them to do. They weren't trying to be famous They were trying to be faithful to the famous one. So here's a principle I'm still learning to understand. It's a framework from from which we'll build this entire message. At Element Church, we call it the big idea. So here's the big idea. 
It's on the screens too. God won't ask you to do something significant for him unless you're willing to do what you consider small. God won't ask you to do something significant for him unless you're willing to do what you consider small. It's the smallest things that are done in faith that lead to significant things that require faith. So if significance is what we're going for, we all want to live a significant life, and that's great. I think we have to ask this big question, is what I call it. How can I live a significant life? How can I live a significant life? We're going to be in the book of Joshua today, Joshua chapters 1 through 5. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Joshua chapter uh, 1. It's the sixth book in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then then Joshua, and we'll be in Joshua 1 through 5 today. I won't be reading all five chapters, so don't freak out, uh, but I'll be reading portions of it, and then we will break it down, chicka-chicka, break it down as we go uh, through today. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, we'll get you one. Country Bible will give you a free Bible if you need one, just raise your hand up and we'll provide one. Or if you want to get one on your way out to take home with you, uh, just make sure and ask for one uh, from one of the ushers or uh, one of the staff members will get you a Bible before you go. Now, when I hear the name Joshua, I immediately think significant. I mean, if you don't know, by the way, if you're here and you're not familiar with the story of Joshua, maybe you're here and you don't even believe in God, I would say, because I know Pastor Andrew and their team, they love it that you are here today. And not only are you invited to be here, but you are, uh, not only are you welcome to be here, you're invited to be here, even if you don't believe in God yet. And so if you're not familiar with this story, Joshua is one of the greatest leaders, not just of the Bible, but of human history. It was Joshua that led the Israelites into the promised land. He was a strategic warrior. I mean, this was the guy who in the middle of a battle prayed for the sun to stand still, and it did. He conquered the city of Jericho. Uh, like, he has a whole book in the Bible named after him. It's pretty stinking significant if you ask me. So here's what we're going to see in the book of Joshua. It's my answer to the question, how can I live a significant life? And it fits right into this sermon series you've been in called Vox, where you've been learning how to hear the voice of God, know the voice of God, and today respond to the voice of God. What I'm about to share with you is very simple, but it's not easy, okay? It's simple, but not easy. I rarely preach this way, but I'm going to give you all three points right now, okay? Don't get excited. We're not done, but I'm giving you all three points right now, okay? Here they are. Listen to God, do what he says, stand back and watch. Those are the keys to living a significant life. Listen to God, do what he says, stand back and watch. That God won't ask you to do something significant for him unless you're willing to do what you consider small. So Joshua 1, starting in verse 1, says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. The time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you'll be on land I have given you. We're going to skip a few words, jump to verse 5. 
No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So this passage is so huge for us in living a significant life. Because I just happen to believe the same thing God said to Joshua is what he's saying to us today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That no matter what I ask you to do, no matter where I ask you to go, no matter what you are required to face, no matter who you are required to fight, I will go before you, I will be with you, I will fight on your behalf, I will strengthen you, I will equip you, I will encourage you, I will be with you. Here's the problem though, at least a problem for me. I'm sure you are a way better Christian than I am. I have no doubt about it. So it's probably not a problem for you. It's a problem for me. So many times this will derail us from a significant life faster than anything I know of. So many times I find myself telling God what I'm going to do and asking him to bless it instead of simply doing what he told me to do, which is already blessed. God told Joshua what he wanted him to do. The Lord told Joshua, lead the people across the Jordan into the promised land, which was no easy task, by the way. We're not talking about a bubbling brook. We're talking about a river that the scripture tells us was in flood stage, overflowing its banks. In order to cross it with a couple hundred thousand Israelite people would have been a massive undertaking. It would have required a miracle move of God. So now, Joshua 1, 10 and 11 says this, Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provision ready. In three days, you'll cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. I'm struck sometimes, convicted actually, at the rapid obedience of people of God in the Bible. Simply hearing the voice of God and then doing what it says. Read the Old Testament prophets sometime for clarification. Like them dudes was bad. Like Isaiah, Isaiah walked around naked and barefoot for three years preaching to the Israelite people about their God simply because God told them to. I don't care who your pastor is. He shows up naked, he's looking for a new job and will be in prison. Right? I know, mental image you now can't get out of your mind. But 
Ezekiel laid on his side for 390 days. And the only thing he used for fuel to cook his food for 390 days was cow dung. Why? Because God told him to. Hosea married a prostitute. Joseph took Mary as his wife, even though it appeared that she had been unfaithful to him, carrying another man's wife. Abraham raised a knife to kill his own son and would have followed through, except God stopped him. All of them did those things. Why? They listened to God, did what he said, stood back and watched. And we're still talking about them today. So I'm struck, convicted, at the rapid obedience of people in the Bible. And I don't know of a better example of that than Joshua. Five times, five different times in Joshua chapters one through five, it says, the Lord told Joshua to, so Joshua did. In Joshua 1, we already read it. The Lord told Joshua, lead the Israelites across the Jordan River. So Joshua commanded the leaders of Israel to get everyone ready to cross the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 3, the Lord told Joshua, when you get to the edge of the Jordan, command the priests to step in. So Joshua commanded the priests to step into the water. When they did, the water parted and everyone walked across on dry ground. Joshua chapter 4, the Lord told Joshua, choose 12 men to get 12 stones out of of the riverbed and build a memorial in my honor for, for the provision I have given you. So Joshua chose 12 men to get 12 stones out of the riverbed and they built the, author, uh, the altar. And Joshua also, chapter 4, the Lord told Joshua, command the priests to come out of the water. So Joshua commanded the priests to come out of the water. Joshua chapter 5. Now it gets real. I'm not sure you're ready for what's next. Joshua 5, 2 and 3. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. You're not. (laughs) At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth, which in Hebrew means, ow. (laughs) Just kidding, it doesn't, but hello. Like props to Joshua, right? Like when I get to heaven, I'm finding him, I'm like, bro, fist bump, like you are a way better man than I am, because that's probably where I would have bowed out of my calling that God had on my life. I mean, seriously, put yourself in Joshua's shoes. This is in the Bible, okay? As Christians, I think sometimes we read Bible stories like this with our rose-colored Sunday school glasses on. We just read stories and verses like this as if they're no big deal. Like, oh yeah, circumcision, okay, moving on. But again, I know you're probably a way better follower of Jesus than I am. But if I'm Joshua, I'm not sure I would have obeyed so quickly. (laughs) I think I might have at least pulled God to the side for a sidebar. Like, hey, God, come here for a second. Come here. Yeah, come here. Did you say circumcision? 
Yeah, okay. Because I know, I, know I, I might have got something in my ears from that whole part, the water trick you did back there. Super cool, epic, as some people say. And, you know, may, my Hebrew might be better than yours. I know, I know you invented the whole language and all, but did you get some word? Did you say circumcision? I'd have been dancing around the issue for quite some time. I would have prayed for a while, which, by the way, is the Christian way of avoiding the issue. I would have fasted, hid the knives, something, right? Not Joshua. The Lord told Joshua to, so Joshua did. Again, put yourself in the story. I'm not trying to be crude in any way, but it does make me wonder, like, how did this conversation go down? Like, was it, all right, guys. Gather around. Everyone gather around. Gather around. Just the, just the guys. Just the guys. I know it's not PC, ladies, that you're not included, but trust me, this is the one time you don't want to be included. Guys, everyone, everyone gather around. Yeah, Bill, Bob, Paul, how you guys? Everybody, good, good. Good. Everybody here? Everybody here? Okay. Okay, well, I'm going to say this one time. All right, Bob, you have a question? Yeah, what's your question? Is this a knife? Yeah, yeah, Bob, this is a knife. All right, everybody. Yeah, Bob, what's the knife for? Okay, so... Um, God's talking to me again. Been doing that lately. And uh, he told me this time that he, uh, he wants me to um, circumcise you. <laughs> so, yeah, Bob, what's your question? Did I say circumcise? Yeah, yeah, I did say that, Bob. Another question, Bob, what is it? Have I done that before? Um, no, no. Um, but I did stay at a Holiday Express last night. <laughs> Two principles stand out to me here, by the way. First of all, the greatest testament to Joshua's leadership was not the fact that he was willing to circumcise these men. It was the fact that these men were willing to let him. I promise you, the guys I brought with me from our staff would resign. (laughs) I think Joshua had a level of trust in his leadership that most of us will never see. In fact, in Joshua 1, 16 through 18, the whole community of Israel made a commitment that whatever Joshua commands us to do, we will do, and anyone who rebels against him will be put to death. So it was literally either death or circumcision. I might have chosen death. (laughs) Second principle is this, if you quit just because you're uncomfortable, you'll never see God do the unthinkable. And can I just say that oftentimes comfort is the enemy of your calling? It's the enemy of responding to the voice of God. In fact, the idea that that our calling or purpose, the idea that the voice of God should make us more comfortable is both arrogant and American. We say things like, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. No, sometimes it's the most dangerous place to be. Jesus never promised us a problem-free life. He only promised his presence in the midst of them. 
In John 16, he said, in this life, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So if you quit just because you're uncomfortable, you'll never see God do the unthinkable. And that's exactly what happens next in the story. Do you know the very next thing God asks Joshua to do after circumcision is conquer Jericho? God won't ask you to do something significant for him unless you're willing to do what you consider small. The Lord told Joshua, you and your fighting men walk around Jericho once a day for seven days. On the seventh day, walk around seven times, blast the trumpets, stand back and watch. So Joshua took the fighting men and did just what God said. And what happened? The walls of Jericho came crashing down. The people of Israel took the city and all the peas on VeggieTales died. (laughs) Church joke. (laughs) How did Joshua accomplish such a significant feat? Did he really do anything significant at all? Did Joshua make the walls fall down? No. All Joshua did was respond to the voice of God. That's all he did. Listen to God, did what he said, stood back and watched. The Lord told Joshua to, so Joshua did. Listen, friends, the power to conquer Jericho simply came from a pattern of obedience in Joshua's life. The biggest test, the biggest task in Joshua's life was not Jericho. We've made it out to be on our Sunday school flannel boards, but it's not. The biggest test, the biggest task in Joshua's life was the one right before Jericho, circumcision. Joshua didn't know that Jericho would be the next thing God asked. Like all the other Bible story heroes, Joshua was just doing the next thing that God asked him to do. So listen, if Joshua had not been willing to take the step of circumcision, he never would have seen the significance of conquering Jericho. In fact, God knew that Joshua had the faith to conquer Jericho because Joshua had the foreskins to prove it. Never thought you'd hear that in church, did you? And I'll never be invited back again. God won't ask you to do something significant for him unless you're willing to do what you consider small. And the most significant thing you will ever do in your life is simply the next thing you've heard God tell you to do. But if you don't take that small step, you'll never be asked to take a significant one either. Yet that's exactly where so many Christians live their lives. Somewhere between what was and what could be. So take that step, even if it's small. In fact, take that step, especially if it's small.
Because everything God asks you to do is significant. Not because of what you're doing, but because of who is asking. God, our significant one. When he asks you to move, wherever and whatever that is, become significant. Because he asked you to do it. Be faithful in the small things and you'll end up living a significant life. Learn to know the voice of God. Listen for it. Hear his voice and respond to him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you do that. What's God speaking to you today? What's his voice telling you to do? I don't know what it is. But I trust right now in this moment he's speaking. So just ask him, God, what do you want me to do? What's my next step? And listen, I think sometimes we, we overthink this voice of God thing. As if, well, that's something he does for the pastor or something he does for folks in the Bible, but he's not going to talk to me. No, no, he's talking to you. If you have put your faith in Jesus, his spirit lives in you, which means you have a direct line to him. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know people who have. I've never heard it. But I felt his voice just as strong as if I've heard it. And some of you are feeling that right now. A conversation that needs to happen, a a gift that needs given, a sacrifice that needs made, a job that needs changed. Whatever it is, listen to God, do what he says, stand back and watch. With this many people, I, I think... There's probably someone here today, either you're a believer that needs to confess sin to God or you're not a believer who needs to be forgiven of sin in Jesus. And you're hearing God right now. You're saying, what in the world is this? That's the Holy Spirit pulling you towards him. That Jesus, God in the flesh, came as one of us. He died because of us. He rose victorious so that any one of us can put our faith in him, be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, an eternal life forever in heaven with him. That might be your step today. So Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? I put my faith in you. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Help me live for you. I hear your voice right now. Please help me keep hearing your voice. Help me to do what you say, to go where you want me to go. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer or if you need to talk to somebody about a decision you've got to make, please talk to Pastor Andrew, anyone from the staff, an usher, a volunteer. They'll get you pointed in the right direction to have those conversations you need to have to help you out. Thank you so much 
for allowing me the privilege to speak to you today. Ironically, there were some things in this message that I needed to hear in right in the stage of life where I am as well. So I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We thank you for being our King and our God. In Jesus' name, amen.